man, Bitcoin is hope and it is traveling and people are becoming aware of it and I'm ready to do this and I don't really view it as a risky thing. Hello there from El Salvador, the Bedford of Latin America. How are you all doing? You having a good week? I'm gonna level with you. I've just drunk a bottle of wine with Jack Mallers, but my engineer Danny's like, you need to get the audio over to me, so I'm a little bit drunk. I apologize for that. But anyway, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I am using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got an awesome interview. Today I've got Kansas City Chiefs tight end Sean Colking on. We're going to be discussing him putting his entire salary into Bitcoin. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. And first up today, we have BlockFi, the future of Bitcoin and financial services, who are offering a number of products to Bitcoiners. So with BlockFi, you can open up an interest account where you can earn yield on your Bitcoin. I've been a customer of theirs for nearly two years with their interest accounts, letting my Bitcoin work for me. Also with BlockFi, you can get a Bitcoin back loan to borrow against your Bitcoin without selling. And as you know, very soon, they're about to launch their Bitcoin rewards credit card, where you can earn a 1.5% rewards in Bitcoin on all card purchases. Obviously, that's very cool. Cannot wait to get mine. If you are interested in checking BlockFi out, I recommend you do your own research. Then head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. And next up, we have Ledger, the world's most popular hardware wallet. Now, a hardware wallet allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin. And I've been a Ledger customer since early 2017 when I bought my first hardware wallet. And I'm still using that same Nano S I bought back then today. Ledger makes it easy for you to safely manage your Bitcoin using their Ledger Live software, which interfaces with the device. And if you are using an Android phone, you can connect that with your Nano S to manage your Bitcoin on the go. If you want to find out more, head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. We're also going to talk about Gemini, my new exchange sponsor, who I'm using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin, but I ain't selling any of my Bitcoin. It's a bull market. Of course I'm not selling. I am only buying Bitcoin with Gemini right now. And I've been using the app for buying the dips, but I also set up my DCA for my twice monthly Bitcoin purchases. I'm yet to see a better and easier interface for buying Bitcoin. And I do also want to give a massive shout out to Tyler and Cameron supporting the show and also being an open book for ideas. They said to me, Pete, you're going to call Bitcoin ideas. Come to us, tell us what they are. And it's an open book. So happy to be working with them and happy to be working with the Gemini team. If you want to find out more, please do head over to Gemini.com, which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com. Okay, so onto the show today, and it's a really cool interview. I've got Kansas City Chiefs tight end Sean Colkin on the show. If you don't know who the Kansas City Chiefs are, they are a team within the NFL. That is that sport that's a bit like rugby, chasing like an egg-shaped ball around, throwing around, wearing some pads and shit. And... Uh, it's not as good as our football. They call it football. They call our football soccer, which is all confusing. But basically, Sean's a cool guy. It was great to get him on the show. Now, if you didn't also see it, at the end of April, Sean announced that he would be going all in on Bitcoin. He's taken his nearly $1 million salary and putting the whole of that shit into Bitcoin. Now, it isn't the first time we've seen an NFL player take their salary in Bitcoin. We had Russell Akung last year, a massive Bitcoiner. But this is the first time someone's gone all in, balls deep, 100% salary in Bitcoin. Now, like Russell O'Conn, he has used my man Jack Mallers and Strike to do this. And Jack even makes a drop-in appearance on this episode. So keep an eye out for that. But it's a really cool conversation. Sean explains his decision to go all in on Bitcoin, where his conviction comes from. And we talk about maybe meeting up. You know, I might kick his ass. I might, I might go up against him. We might get a ball out. I think I'll go easy on him. I'll be a little bit light on him because I don't want to hurt him you know, being a big guy like I am. But hopefully that will happen. But big love to Sean. Thanks for him coming on. If you've got any feedback about the show, you've got any questions, you can hit me up. You know you can do that. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Also, Miami has come in. You're going to Miami. You're going to the conference. I'm going to be hosting a big party. I've got some money out of my sponsors. I'm going to have about 20 grand to put behind the bar. So we will have a massive piss up. But... If you are going to Miami for Bitcoin 2021 in June and you haven't bought tickets yet, if you head over to b.tc slash conference and use the promo code WBD, you will get 10% off your tickets. Okay, on to the show. Hope you enjoy it. Looking forward to your feedback. See you all soon. Sean, how you doing, brother? Peter, I'm doing well, man. How are you? How are you? I'm good, man. Welcome to my El Salvadorian studio here. <laughs> 
usually people are in my uh, in my little office in Bedford. Do you, have you heard of Bedford? Do you, do you know Bedford? I don't know in Massachusetts. Much. Yeah, I'm curious. You have to tell me more. It's uh, it's the Bitcoin mecca of the world. It's the center of Bitcoin media in the world. Really? In, uh, it's not far not far from London. You okay. don't know it? No, I've heard of it. I just you know I don't know much. Um, you know, I've heard of Miami and how that's kind of been the the new uh, Silicon Valley of Bitcoin, but obviously that's just in America. So um, I'm sure yeah, it's just different. Yeah, uh, Miami uh, copied Bedford. It's trying to be be like <laughs> Bedford, but it's uh, you know we started this before Miami. We were we were owning this. <laughs> what the fuck am I? <laughs> hey, listen, where I grew up, I grew up in this shit little place. Like Bedford's a shit town, but I grew up in a shit suburb called Kempston. And we actually, at one point, this weird thing happened. I was like. I don't know, dude. How old are you? I'm 27, man. I'm young. You're a baby. All right. Well, listen. I know. I know. Probably, probably before, <laughs> no, de- definitely before you were born, because I was about 10 and I'm 42. Okay. Uh, we had these rugby posts appear uh, on this field near where I live where all the kids play football and, and golf and shit. And these rugby posts appeared. I was like, oh, we're going to get a rugby team. We actually ended up getting like an American football team in really? where I live in Kempston. Yeah, we got this. So I used to go down and watch it. I was like, what's this? What the fuck's this game? <laughs> It's your game, man. Can you go out there and play? Is it like open? <laughs> me? Yeah. No, not me. You no, play we, sports? But we have people who. I used to before I got older. Shit, I used to play. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and you know, I'm not gonna say your word for. I'm just gonna say football. Okay. I'm not gonna say fucking soccer because that pisses <laughs> me off. Yeah, football. It's football. 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 It's football. Football and American football. Football, man. Okay, listen. I'm going to tell you everything I know about your football, your egg, your egg chasing version of football. Okay. Uh, when I was a kid, we used to get uh, on Channel Four. We used to get one game a week, uh, one program a week, and 49ers were the big team. Okay. So I started yeah. supporting them. That was back when it was Jerry Rice was wide receiver. Legend. Yeah, it was. Um, Steve Young, quarterback. It was just mm-hmm. after. Was it Joe Montana who was before him? Oh man, I'm gonna date myself. I, I'm young, man. It's a. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't want to misspeak. I don't know. I don't know who the quarterback was. I know they're legends. I know that's good ball to watch. Good. Uh, you're making, hell, you're hell making me feel old there. now. <laughs> fucked up when I know more than you about these legends. No, so people are gonna say it's not Joe Montana. It's like this dude. Anyway, that was it. That was my team. 49ers were my team. They won the Super Bowl, and then they didn't do shit for the rest of the time I've watched them. They haven't done shit. Did you remain uh, loyal? I remained, yeah, but but, yeah. but do you know what? I think I think when Raiders go to Vegas, that's going to be my team. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That whole move with uh, the increase in sports betting, too, should be interesting. I mean, gosh, I mean, when pandemic kind of cl- slows down, I think that's going to be... <laughs> if you get a chance, if you got a chance to play for the Raiders in Vegas, you take that, right? Yeah. You're gonna be there. God, man, like well, my my son wants to go. He's he's similar to your age. Fuck, I'm old. Uh, he's like, uh, Dad, we gotta go. If you've seen the stadium, he said uh, we gotta go, and I'm like, Yeah, I want to go, man. I want to go. Yeah. Listen, tell me a bit about you. Let's. Uh, I know you're a tight end. I don't know what the fuck that means. Is that a, <laughs> yeah, so we got to go from the basics. Yeah. Or is it both? Yeah, so, is that offensive, defensive? Is it both? Yeah, no. So it is offensive. It's a, kind offensive. of a mixture of a wide receiver, so like Jerry Rice, and then a yeah. lineman, one of the bigger guys, um, you know, this hand in the dirt blocking every single play. So it's a very fun, unique, and versatile position because you have to be fast enough to get open and create separation against defenders that are very athletic and fast and at the same time have to put your hand in the dirt, you know, third and one and move a guy back six inches. And, you know, he's six, five, 300. Most tight ends are six, five, two fifty. So you got to have, uh, you got to be master, master, uh, of your craft. You have to have technique. You have to really hone in on the physics of moving mass, right? Hands inside, Low man always wins leverage because if you just come off the ball, hands outside, just you're, you're not going to be able to move guys that are significantly bigger than you. So it's a fun position. It's challenging, but I love it, man. How big are you? 
So I'm 6'5", 255. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 5'9". Five, I'm 5'9", five, nine. Five, nine, 210. <laughs> hey, so it's funny, shape, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, um, that'd be okay moving you probably off the ball pretty, pretty easily. <laughs> you fucking reckon? <laughs> I think so. I mean, I think, I think we should get together. Yeah, or we should, you know, put the, put the line in the dirt, you know, with whistle to snap and see what happens. I'm fucking quick, man. Hey, I'm quick. I think you're I quick. think you you look one way, I look the other, and I'll be I'll be past you. <laughs> oh no! Or or am I meant to stop you? Am I meant to stop you? Well, it depends. Are you more you? are you more defensive or offensive? I'm, I'm fucking glory, man. I'm your glory, offensive. your glory. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it'd be fun. It's a. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun sport, man. Just being physical and flying around making plays. It's a. I mean, it's something that I've played since I was in fifth grade. So I was actually more of a basketball guy growing up. Everybody in my hometown was actually shocked to hear me announce that I was going to Missouri for football because basketball was just my, my passion. That's where I spent all my time. I was traveling every single weekend. Um, I was on the Adidas team for the state of Florida and realized I wasn't going to be 6'11 or 7 foot. You know, I, I topped out at 6'5 and... Uh, football was more conducive actually for my height because on my travel team, and we had like, I think over 15 or 20 guys signed you on, I was the shortest player on the team. Jesus. So yeah, <laughs> I was, yeah, our starting lineup. I, I mean, maybe there were, I, I think our point guard was 6'3". So I hadn't beat it by a little bit. But I mean, we were just 6'5". That's six, funny, five, being 6'5 six, six, and feeling short. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's crazy. I mean, if you see the game of basketball now, man, it, you know, you're six five. You're a point guard. You know, if you're six eight, six nine, six eleven, that's that's how tall you got to be. You know, to be in the paint. So, um, switched to football. Started getting a, a lot more interest and kind of had that mentality anyway to be um, physical and lift weights, put on weight. College coaches were already telling me I was big enough, and I wanted to get bigger and stronger and faster. And just felt like there was a good um, overlap too from playing basketball to the tight end position and I had mm-hmm. success in that you know in high school college and eventually the NFL so it's a it's a sport that I'm continuing to learn and get better and challenge myself every day and I'm blessed to keep to, to still be playing the game man do you know what I tell you what I like about football your football <clears throat> and I really like about it because I spend a lot of time in the US right I've there's no country in the world I've traveled to more. I've been like 60 times, traveled all over it. But I love the way like whatever level a team is, team is, whether it's a college team or a school team or whatever, like the whole town comes out for them and everyone cares about that team. It's like that focal point for mm-hmm. the town or whatever. Like I really like that. And I, um, yeah. my son had me watching that, um, is it Last Chance You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um Community, yeah, very, very inspiring, inspiring stories. Mm. Watching that documentary, I've seen it. It's uh, actually Did one you... of my teammates came from uh, uh, the college from last chance you from the Ravens this past year. So it's kind of cool to see. Were you like one of a number of people who just played football and did well at school and then college, or like? Did you like be honest? Did you always know you're like I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna be in the NFL? Did you know? When I decided football would be my sport, not basketball, yes, I kind of adopted that mentality very quickly. I knew that I had raw um, ability and the work ethic and the mentality to just continue to get 1% better every day. And I wouldn't settle for anything other than going to an NFL. Um, Obviously, I'm pretty pragmatic. Like during my collegiate career. I didn't have this glamorous career that, you know, just scoring all these touchdowns, so many yards, everybody just, oh, he's going to the NFL. Um, you know, I had three different offensive coordinators, two head coaches, four, three or four different position coaches in a span of four years. And so that was tough to kind of find my, um, my role on a consistent um, you know, year over year. So I was just grinding, man, actually. So I was just a grinder. 
I, I, I just did the right things. I was accountable. I was reliable. I had this relentless work ethic, ethic and just knew the opportunity would come and you either capitalize on it or you don't. And there's your opportunity that came and went. So being undrafted, because uh, I went undrafted and that's, that's, that's difficult. You know, your margin of error is very low. It's, you know, you might have uh, one, two, three different opportunities to really make a name for yourself so coaches and scouts can give you a proper, you know, proper chance. And, you know, whereas some guys come in first, second, third round, you know, they have a year or two, maybe three to really prove themselves. So I, I definitely have been under the mentality that preparation will allow me to be successful when those opportunities come and rise to the occasion and do your thing. And that's, that's kind of how I am, you know, going into year five right now. Yeah, so let, let, help me understand that because like, I know what the draft is, right? Yeah. But when it's coming around, like, how, do you f- how does it work? How do you find out whether you are going to be drafted? And if you're not, what, like, what, what happens next? Cause next? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people who are undrafted who don't get a, don't get a contract. They, they don't get an opportunity. Yeah. So what's the difference? Is it like, are you like, are there people who are nearly drafted? Like, how, how, for me, how does someone like me understand this? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it's crazy, honestly, man. It's because uh, everyone is being told by their agents that they're going to get drafted. And everyone kind of is thinking that no matter what, worst case scenario, you know, I'll go in fifth or sixth or seventh round or seven, round to- seven rounds total. And when that third day comes, and you're in the middle of the sixth, you start to get this, you know, terrible feeling. Man, I don't think I'm getting my name called on TV. And obviously, in the seventh rounds, teams will start calling you, and that was the worst part. Some teams will call you, and you think it's them saying, "Hey, we're going to select you in this round," and it's them saying, "Hey, if you're still available after the draft, we want you bad, man." So that's kind of a signal too that maybe you're not going to get drafted. So for me. I knew that there's a chance I would go undrafted. I was projected fifth to seventh, but also had some teams lined up that if I didn't get picked, these are probably my top. And because I was in that situation where I might have been drafted, I might have not, I had a lot of interest. So some guys, like you said, might not hear their name called and might not even get a call for an, un- uh, for an undrafted um, contract. Or maybe they get a tryout from minicamp. And pretty much just a camp body. And so for me, I had quite a bit of interest. So it was analogous to my recruiting, um, my recruiting experience in high school, condensed in an hour. <laughs> so teams need to know they're trying to fill that spot, those roster spots. And so teams are saying, hey, we want you. And then another team's calling. And, you know, so I have like two phones. My agent has one. My coach is in town. He has one. And we're just all just vetting, you know, what's the best opportunity to make a team. And for me, I chose the Chargers because for the same reason why I picked Missouri, I just felt I was, uh, I was valued there. I kind of felt they were the only team that flew me out for a visit. And you can only do that for 25 prospects. And they were the only team to fly to Columbia, Missouri for a private workout. So for me, that, that, that meant a lot to me. So I went up to sunny uh, San Diego, California, man. Never, ever been to Cali. And nice, man. Yeah, it was incredible. It's, uh, it was a great experience. I did three years there and was having a really good third year. And then uh, middle of the 2019 season, I tore my Achilles. So that was a big setback. And, um, oh, man. But, you know, yeah, that's a tough one, man. It's, uh, I mean, years back, that could have been a career career ender um you know that and the acl are the two injuries that you really hate to see but it made me stronger you know i learned a lot man holy cow in that year of rehab it it really tested me mentally and you know i have gratitude and i'm thankful for it you know now because i'm stronger and but yeah man it was a it was a tough one (laughs) yeah man i bet oh god Uh, who was your team as a kid who did you support I was a Bucks fan. Yeah. So I grew up in uh, Clearwater, Florida, like in your Knox Beach. 
which is like 30 minutes south uh, from Tampa. So I was I was a big Bucks fan. I remember uh, Tony Dungy and John Gruden then coming in and taking the team to the Super Bowl, and they had a lot of playmakers too. That team was really special. But you know, when it comes to picking, because it, 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 the funny thing was when it came, my final two was either the Chargers or the Bucks, and my parents knew this, and they're like, Ooh. you know, celebrating. They're like, "Yes, he's coming back home." Dude. You know, kind of just assume. That would be the case. And went to my room by myself, just kind of spent 10 minutes to reflect and came out and said, guys, I'm going to San Diego. <laughs> and they, oh, they were super, was, yeah, they I've, were supportive. I've been, to, well, I've been up near Tampa. Okay. Where, what part? I've been up. I spent a day up in St. Pete's. St. Pete, yeah. So St. Pete's 25 minutes from my hometown. Mm. So, you beach guy? Damn. Uh, no, I'm from England. The beaches are shit. It's always raining. <laughs> I went up there. I tell you where I went up St. Pete's. I took my kids to Disneyland. We got bored, so I took them up to St. Pete's because there's like a Dali museum. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Dali. yeah. I've been there. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's oh wow. Idea. So like, you had to turn around to your dad and say, "I'm not going to play for the Bucks. I'm going to going to go out to California play for San Diego." Did he come out for your first game anyway? Yeah. Oh yeah. They came out for one of my I think my last preseason game, and that was. At least the first time, you know, being in California with me, so that was cool. Usually, you have a day off after the after the game, so we kind of hung out and just went to the beach and nice. kicked it. And that was actually in the the year of the transition from San Diego to LA. So we did on the first time we had off season in San Diego, and then when we showed up to report for camp, we were actually in uh, actually Costa Mesa in Orange County, but technically LA. So. Well, listen, I know we've got to talk about Bitcoin, <laughs> but my producer told me you're a guitar player, and I want to know about that first. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I um, actually played piano. Uh, that was my first instrument. I, I learned when okay. I was in first grade, I think it was when my parents started uh, taking me to lessons. And then in sixth grade, I just, I think my brother bought a guitar and, and tried for a couple of weeks or a month. and just kind of left it to the corner and I went and saw it and just picked it up and taught myself and uh, <laughs> actually created a band in sixth grade. Oh yeah, serious. Yes. Nice. We had a band, me and the boys. We played at uh, two, two birthday parties. We were kind of <laughs> big, you know, we were a big deal for that. You know, we, we had a waiting <laughs> list, you know. We kind of guarantee that Hold we on. would appear or show up, but uh, yeah, it was <laughs> two songs, Six, two songs. Grade? What's that like? Is that like 12? Is that like 12 years old? 12 years old. 12 years old, yeah. 12 years old, dude. Yeah, it's a... What kind uh, of shit were you playing? Dude, we... uh, Meant to Live by Switchfoot. And I think it went... Take Me Home When September Ends. I think that's a song by Green Day. Yeah. But we couldn't finish it. We didn't even have the... Like the the outro. We we just kind of fizzle out and just... take the guitars off and say intermission, go in the pool, hang out, and then come back and start the next song. And that was the performance. <laughs> <laughs> so you're yeah. punk, man. Yeah. You are, you're a punk rocker. Hardcore. Hardcore punk rocker at the time. Are you actually, are you a hardcore punk rocker? Uh, I have a lot of interests. I, I like all music. At one point I was. That, that I started uh, listening to old school classic rock. And then it shifted to punk rock. I went to a couple concerts, but then, like who? I saw. It was the. It was at, in Tampa. It was. Um, gosh, it was. It was an event where they had like over a hundred bands there. I can't. I can't even remember the name of the concert. Uh, I bet it. But was it like it Warp, was, Warp Tour or something? Warp Tour. Yes, I was at Warp Tour. I would go there every year. Warp Tour. Warp Tour. Yeah. yeah. Oh man! I tried to stay away from the mosh pits though. I was young. I was young. Dude. Even though I was big for my age, I probably could have went in there and, you know, hold, <laughs> held my own. But I knew, I knew better. I knew better. Yeah. On the windmill. Yeah. Right. It's it's crazy, dude. Ambulance be coming in and. Oh, fuck your shoes, man. Come on. We got a guest. We got a guest. We got a guest, man. What up, Jack? How we doing, what's man? Up, dude, what's up, bro? How we doing? We're talking about Warp Tour. Oh, you can't hear him because I got fucking headphones on. Yeah. Take the headphones. Jack, what's up, bro? 
What's up, man? How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm great, man. I'm great. Good to see you. Yeah, we were we were just uh, talking too. about Warp Tour. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but hey, uh, I know I've been a little busy off the grid, but congratulations, man! I'm super proud of you, and I'm really proud that I played a part in uh, what you accomplished. You accomplished something huge, and uh, happy for you and the family, and uh, happy to play a role. So, congrats, dude! Man, I appreciate that, man. For real, that was it was a special day, crazy week, and I'm excited just to you know keep this thing going, but. Um, super, super grateful for just you and who you are as a person, man. That it was, it was a really special day, and I appreciate you know your part in that. Yeah, you're just getting started, man. Yeah. I believe that. Um, I got a chance to have a pretty awesome phone call with you, and I wholeheartedly, I'm very bullish, Sean, <laughs> just like as a man. And so, uh, yeah, keep it up, dude. You got my full support, absolutely. Dude, Jack, you're the man, man. I appreciate you, bro. How ridiculous is this, man? <laughs> Crazy. And you guys are in El Salvador right now. I'm over here in LA just mm-hmm. talking. It's uh, technology, man. It's cool. This is a cool moment. What do you guys? Uh, what do you guys got going on over there? Well, once we, this is done, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get Jack drunk. <laughs> find out all his secrets. Get him, get him to uh, make me a shareholder in Strike. Take all his money. I'm like all his ideas. Five, Sean. I'm like five eight. 150. So after, like, I'm that dude after like four white claws, you're like, bro, you're as drunk as all the chicks, man. <laughs> Figure it out. So hey, those white claws are sneaky, hope, man. They're sneaky. Dude, no kidding. But hopefully, yeah. uh, he doesn't bully claws? on I, me I too. I hear about all this, like, on Twitter, people talk about white claws. What the fuck are white claws? Um, what's the technical term? The hard seltzer? Hard it's seltzer. Like, Peter, uh, you never had a white claw? No, I just see uh, people talking about white claw on Twitter all the time, and in my mind, it's like I—I I think it's like an alcoholic version of what's that really shitty low sugar soda that everyone drinks? Oh. Cans of soda. They're like it's like basically soda water with like a mild taste of a fruit. Lacroix. Yeah, I think is it like is it like alcoholic Lacroix? Pretty much. Yeah. I actually think it tastes better. Yeah, than, um, I think so too. Yeah, than Lacroix. But yeah, it's um, I think from a product standpoint, it was attempting to accomplish the problem that girls want to drink, but also want to reduce calorie consumption and also aren't infatuated with the concept that beer actually tastes like shit, but we're going to like find a way to enjoy it like a man. And there was like a huge market to deliver like a fruity good that was low in calorie and that still got like a tiny little white girl drunk. And that was the problem <laughs> they initially tried to solve. And little did they know that I fucking hammer those things. So, <laughs> Do you yeah, drink I, short? You look like a whiskey uh, drinking man. I do like, I do like whiskey. Um, I knew you would, man. I'm, I'm, I've, my girlfriend Zuri has got me on the wine train, man. I, I just crush red wine. I love, yeah. I saw you had a glass, yeah. Hello. Yeah. Hello, brother. Cheers, man. You don't yeah. drink the like shitty American red wine, though, do you? Uh, California reds, you know, California. California has got to get some some good wine. I think we're actually making a trip to Napa um, before the season starts, so I'm excited you for need, that. You, you need some of the Italian or French wine. You're still yeah. drinking that American shit. Like, okay. I love America. I think America is brilliant at everything apart from red wine. The red wine's terrible. Okay, Italian yeah. red, uh, wine. I'll add it to yeah. the list. A Barolo or a Montepulciano. Like, I'll take you out for that stuff. So listen, tell me about Sean. Um, just holistically? Mm. Well, so I don't know, Sean, what you've shared and what you want to share. Well, I'm cussing him from distance because he's a big, but he's a big dude. I don't think I'd do it in person. Um, no, the phone call I had with Sean was super special, learning about his family history, uh, what drives him, motivates him, his story, a lot of the adversity. I mean, um, the fact that a lot of the media was on the receiving end of just some NFL player that made what seems to be like an illiterate financial decision couldn't be more wrong. Not only is it an accurate and forward-thinking financial decision, but the adversity that this guy's gone through and what was supportive of his decision and the journey that led him there, uh, I think is fascinating. I think it's a story worth telling. And I'm telling you, I'm not blowing smoke up anyone's ass. This is a stand-up guy who I am proud to be supporting in an effort to represent like humanity in a better light, I think. I mean, you're talking about a dude who plays for 
uh, a boss who enjoys the title of an owner. That's fucking not, I mean, that's like slave language. And these guys, what, what CEO of a company or like developer of any business refers to themselves as an owner publicly and enforces that their employees define them as such. I mean, he, he established a sense of independence for the right reasons. He has everything, he thinks about things the correct way. And I evaluate Sean as just a stand-up dude. And I'm, yeah, I don't know. I'm happy to be associated with the guy's story. And I think he's just getting started based on what I know. Sure, I'm being dead serious too. Sean, you don't need to cuss out your boss if he's still writing you checks. Like, <laughs> No, it's my job. <laughs> but that's stupid, man. Yeah, and uh, Yeah, and yeah, Sean, I, I, I'm trying to speak for him because I know there's a lot of things that go on in these athletes' head. And um, yeah, I think Sean is an impressive guy. And, and to think of all the people that could do what Sean did, it says a lot about him being the first and he should get credit for that. Right, Sean, let's talk about this because we hear about people getting involved in Bitcoin. Uh, they discover it. They maybe you know, buy a few thousand dollars, maybe put 2% of their net worth, 5%, and you just like bowl in, balls deep, and you go, fuck this, I'm going to put 100% of my, let's, let's, it's a rounding error, it's a million dollar salary. You just went, fuck it, I'm putting the whole thing in, right? Yeah. How do you do that? How do you come in and, and like I've not heard of I've like not heard of you and then you come in it's like I don't mean that like in a derogatory way I'm just I'm British so I you know I know of like three sports sportsmen in America um, but you come in and you're like fuck this balls deep my whole salary is going into Bitcoin how do you get to that point and it's a big question because and I'm basically asking you to tell me how you discover Bitcoin and then you went I'm gonna put all my salary in. How's that happen? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, there's two questions there, right? It's like, how did I come to the decision to go all in? And then how did I just discover Bitcoin? Um, you know, going all in, I just through the education and going down the rabbit hole and just, you know, obtaining this level of conviction that I had, you know, like weeks out, I had to ask myself, I'm like, you know, what would bring me more regret? You know, not doing this and seeing Bitcoin rise as I suspect or doing this and being wrong and losing a significant amount of money. And that answer was so clear to me because of just where I see this going and the opportunity to just do my part and just reassuring the like people that, you know, I think, I think people... It's easy to have fear and like FUD, right? Just like kind of scare them out of it, questioning themselves, having doubt. And I'm late to the game, you know, compared to you guys. But like I look at this opportunity to reassure people that, man, Bitcoin is hope and it is traveling and people are becoming aware of it. And, you know, at least personally, through my research, like I'm ready to do this. And I don't really view it as a risky thing. (laughs) I really don't. I think it's uh, the more. Um, the more I think about it, the more rational it was to me. But I mean, I think when it came to looking at Bitcoin, I I think it was very clear to me that we were we are going to a new system, and I think we're going to a digitized financial system, and everything is going to be digitized and the coinization, right? If that's even a word, and just of assets and the future of crypto, and I think that. We're going to see that happen at a rapid pace over the next decade. And the way I see it, my traditional portfolio of stocks, fixed income, and cash is the hedge. Bitcoin is no longer the hedge. And it took me a while to get there, but that's how I see it You know, going forward. Like, man, my hedge is what I already have. I want to be a part of the future. And I think that's where we're going. Next up, I talk to Sean more about going all in on Bitcoin. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. Okay, first up today, we have Casa, the absolute very best in Bitcoin security. Now listen, if you are sat on a decent stack of Bitcoin and you aren't custodying it, or you've just got a single hardware wallet, what the hell are you doing with your life? Come on, go and check out Casa. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, do I need this? This There's going to be a pain to set up. Some of you might be like, what the hell is a multi-sig wallet? 
That sounds like some confusing shit. I know I had all the same questions. Honestly, look, it could not be easy to set it up. You get so much peace of mind when you've got a castle wallet. Now, a multi-sig wallet allows you to custody your Bitcoin, but you can only move Bitcoin by signing transactions from multiple wallets, ones which you distribute in different locations, which is going to protect you from a range of mistakes, errors, and vulnerabilities. If you've got any questions about this, you can reach out to me. You can email me, you can hit me up in my DMs. I will happily help you in any way I can. Now, there is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. If you want to find out more, head over to keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Also today, we have sportsbet.io, the very best for online gaming, because these guys accept Bitcoin, because they're Bitcoin badasses. We've also got a competition coming up. It's going to be announced in Miami. We have a Lamborghini to give away, but also there's an extra edge to this competition, which you Bitcoiners are going to love. Can't wait to tell you about that. Now, with sportsbet.io, you do have every market you could possibly be interested in. Supporting Liverpool, betting against Tottenham, tennis, American sports, motorsports. They even support esports. And they always have a range of promotions available for new customers. You can find out more about this at sportsbet.io forward slash promotions, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T.io forward slash promotions. And this week, we're finishing off with Exodus Wallet, who will also give me some money for my party in Miami. Thank you, JP. Thank you, Exodus Wallet. Love you guys. Now, as you know, because I've talked about this a lot, I lost my, lost my bank accounts with Lloyds. They closed me down. But it doesn't matter, because I am increasingly running my company on Bitcoin. I accept Bitcoin. I pay out in Bitcoin. And I'm even in a place now where my accountant doesn't have to bitch at me every month because I've got my accounts together. I even can turn around and go, here you go. Here are all my Bitcoin spends. This is who it is. This is who it's for. Because I've been using Exodus Wallet to track all this. Now, I do use my Casa for my deep cold storage, but Exodus is my day-to-day Bitcoin and wallet. If you want to check it out, head over to exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Google or Apple app stores. When, when did you, like, take me back to when you first heard about Bitcoin, and then how long did it take you to go from, okay, because a lot of us, we hear, we're like, what the fuck, this is like some made-up bullshit, like, it doesn't mean anything, and then we go through the process, and maybe we hear about it a couple of times, or we buy some Bitcoin, whatever, we eventually get it, and then we get it, like, how, how long was that period for you? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was longer than I wished. Honestly, you know, looking back, yeah, right? Like I think we all say that. Um, I think it's important to kind of share a little bit that I got to share with Jack, you know, on the phone call. But, um, you know, for me, it really was my senior year at Mizzou. And at that point, I was fully immersed in finance. That was my major. And, and it was the first time in my life, um, you know, where I had a level of passion and interest equal to what I had in football. And I ended up getting a highly competitive internship as this equity research analyst for this insurance firm. So between workouts, meetings, practices, class, you know, I'd be working 30 plus hours a week, had my own Bloomberg terminal, geeking out on Excel spreadsheets. And, you know, in that time, I, I was really grooming myself for Wall Street, you know, and the demands over there if the NFL didn't work out. Like that was kind of the trajectory that I kind of foresaw um, saw for myself. And and then I came across blockchain and Bitcoin and it being created by this anonymous creator and quickly saw the beauty and you know, non-discretionary components of the network. And I thought it was very George Washington, you know, Satoshi to just be selfless and remain anonymous. And I recognized the store of value it offered and the fact its supply can be verified, I think is incredible. I don't know and didn't know at that time any asset that can say that. And Bitcoin is also so transparent just about its issuance. And the only only asset that I knew to be similar was gold. and But I saw it to be better and more attractive to future generations. And you know, speaking of gold, like the, one of the big reasons I decided to major in finance was because of my dad. So he was super bullish on gold and shared his reasonings uh, to me often. So Unlike many people, I think that just take the norm as truth. Like I was exposed as an early age. At an early age, I was introduced to the flaws and problems associated to central banking. And 
unfortunately, all of this was happening one week before training camp. And you know, that's when we're going 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. for a month straight. And I had no, nothing invested and completely just forgot about Bitcoin for years. And it's unfortunate because I think the price of Bitcoin was $750 at the time. It was July 2016. <laughs> um, and that's where, you know, like kind of how I said earlier in this podcast, I had the decision, like, you know, am I, am I going to pursue football or finance? And I didn't have that breakout collegiate career, but I knew I belonged. So I bet it on, my, bet it on myself and I was undrafted. Always made the team, but I still had no skin in the game with Bitcoin. And I think that's huge in life too, right? It's like if you don't risk capital that you spent energy and time to attain on something, you won't personally be invested. And so as I would continue to learn about finance and economics in the off-seasons over the years, I didn't put too much thought truly into Bitcoin. But the whole time, it would continue to show up in some article or headline. And I just saw this growing monster that just became bigger and bigger and just kept like poking at me like, hey, Sean, like, look at Bitcoin, look at Bitcoin. And still at this time, just through life events, I neglected it and uh, would even have really good conversations in the locker room with Russell Okun. And uh, just, I don't know what it was. I was trying to think about this. Like, why didn't I just invest money at that time? Right? Like, why didn't I feel compelled to just do what I did in December and then obviously now. And I don't know, but I came to this, to this decision on my own time, which I think is special, right? Just thinking through your, for yourself and coming to this decision through your own doing. But, you know, in March 2020, that's when I realized I think the world, you know, would be forever changed. And I thought previous models, um, would have become antiquated over time. And I was, you know, finally looking to buy at home at a discount. I was ready and that never came. So it made me think, how should I allocate my portfolio for what I expected to cure to occur over the next decade? And at this time, though, I'm also fully immersed in rehab. You know, I just came off the Achilles injury. I'm doing everything possible to get back into the league. I was telling my agent, Telling teams no, I'm not ready. You know, super hard, challenging times, and finally got. Um, you know, I had a workout, and I told my agent, "I'm like, you know what? I feel good. Shot me out. This is a 7 p.m. at night. Next morning, I flew out to Baltimore. <laughs> but and you know, then I'm sitting, going through the whole year, having to learn a new playbook, one of the more difficult playbooks I've ever." had to learn in Baltimore in the middle of the season. So I have no time. I'm not reading any books. I'm not reading anything you know, that pertains to anything finance or economics or Bitcoin. And I had an ankle injury that sidelined me for five weeks. And so I had a little bit more time. And I remember vividly sitting in the hot tub and being like, you know what, screw it. And, and it, was starting to, it was starting to run up at that point and spent like an hour just kind of going over what I already kind of knew and just put some skin in the game. And from there, my life has changed. <laughs> like I only put like, I think like 5,000 in and then I would just follow it daily and just fell in love with it, right? The rabbit hole, like as we all have and just found the beauty and opportunity and just through my level of conviction and education and interest, I started to question myself. I'm like, dude, why not get paid in Bitcoin? You know, Russell did it. Why would I not? <laughs> like, why? Why would I not? So, what was um, it like in that uh, locker room with uh, with Okung? Was he was he like the Bitcoin guy? Was everyone like, what the fuck's going on with this guy? Or was was he like, was it a quiet thing? Was he trying to teach you all about it? We Russell just had a really contrarian mindset, right? That you knew if you were engaging in a conversation with him, it was going to be a good one and you were going to learn something. You were going to leave that conversation being like, wow, I learned something new, whether I agree or not. And I respected that. So he never pushed it. Like He never came across as salesy and just like pushed it down our throats. But like, you know, when it came to talking about investments, because that's, you know, we're making good money. We're investing our money. Like that's a, that's a, common topic. 
you know, Bitcoin would come up and it's, it's fascinating too to also see his growth along with that. I mean, this is what happens to Bitcoiners, right? His growth from the beginning conversations to now what I see on Twitter and his level of growth. And it just, it just, it makes you, it makes you think. And I think before people viewed Bitcoin as just this wrong stereotype, right? And it's just this, you know, risky, super, um, you know, for illegal money laundering and drug deals and, oh, you don't, you know, that's, it's not, it's, it's the complete opposite of what is act, it's actually designed for, right? Like the egalitarian mm-hmm. um, use that it provides. And I think when he, when he first com- uh, put his salary in it, that, that made a lot of people think, right? Like this is possible and it takes one. Why? And and then it takes two, right? It makes yeah, why? Like the amount of people, one, I look at this situation like last week, the fact that it was covered like it was, I think means a lot to the sentiment of how people view Bitcoin, right? Like overall, it was super positive. And the irony too, and the and deciding how to release the statement, like where were we gonna use a bigger publication and agree to exclusivity and but then from there, you know, not every, you know, platform apparently it's like harder for them to cover it. And we decided to go, hey, let's go smaller, have them have them agree to embargo, and let's just see, you know, if if it's, you know, if if if, it, if people if people find it valuable, it will be covered, right? And every single platform that said they won it without doing an exclusive deal on it, um, everyone covered it, which I think means a lot. Like if I would have done this three years ago, I think it would have been. Completely different response than how it was last week, right? And for me, that I, I'm even more bullish. <laughs> is there a lot of chatter amongst teammates and shit now? Like, is I know Russ was uh, Russ O'Kong was definitely like a visionary with this. Like, he was the first to really go balls deep in sports into Bitcoin. But like, are you finding now this is quite a common conversation? Are you talking about it with other players? Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, it's definitely grown over time for sure. I think now, like since then, people have hit me up and they just want to know like what are the next steps, right? And the first thing I'm like, yeah, right. Hit up Jack Mallers, man. Hit him up and educate yourself. Learn. Do do your research. Like that's the one thing I I hope to take away from what I did. Just if I can inspire one person to just spend time, spend an hour to research Bitcoin because the people that you know, just fud like crazy and just, you know, are so dogmatic, probably have spent an hour of their life total researching Bitcoin and they came to the conclusion that it's a terrible investment. That makes no sense to me at all. (laughs) So if I can inspire somebody to spend more time to decide for themselves, I think it's going to be, it's going to grow. Like, I think you're going to see mass adoption and you know, as athletes, I think we have an opportunity, right? To, you know, we have a platform. When people do it, the question I've had more people hit me up and like, well, like, man, should I be doing this? Like, how do I do this? And I'm, I'm, I'm bullish, man. I'm excited. <laughs> it's uh, I'm going to go back to the fact that it's 100. percent That's pretty bold conviction, right? Because yeah, you know, Bitcoin doesn't just go up in a straight line all the time, right? I know we're in a bull market. You know, it's pretty volatile. You know, you got to have some pretty hardcore diamond hands to be holding through a multi-year situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's some pretty pretty serious conviction, Sean. Yeah, I, I don't know. I looked because I I, I I used to struggle with that. Like when I used to mess around in like day trade stocks, I would. Uh, I've regretted every single sell I've ever made with a security. Every single sell. I don't think I've ever looked back and been like, yep, that was a good decision. <laughs> I've always let my emotions dictate what I should do. So then, and besides just investment, investing, just me and growing as a person, when I can get a hold of my emotions and detach and zoom out and look at the big picture, I also am looking at dips and corrections as opportunities. Like, why have we? Thought dips are should instill fear, like unless there's 
material information that comes out that, man, the thesis has changed. Move on, like we're at the security, right? Like I look at it as opportunity and just look at the big picture. I see it growing. It's 200% a year. It's the first asset to ever reach a trillion in 12 years. Like I have, I've been very frugal, you know, with my, with my, my money that I've made so far in the league. So I kind of looked at my forecasted expenses over the coming years and thought, fuck it. Man, like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. Like, I, I, I can do this. I can do this. And I don't know, man. I looked at the numbers too, and it's so easy to go and look in hindsight, right? And be like, man, I should have done this. But I was crunching the numbers. And today I tweeted like my $12,000 signing bonus. And this is, um, after taxes as well, would have been two hundred fifty thousand dollars, dude. I know. Yeah, man. but I did it for my yeah. whole. I did it for my whole um, salary, just the base salary, and you know, I didn't look Tell at me. every single payday. You know, I, I didn't want to go. I didn't go through like my old because I've used so many. There's like ADP now, day four, so I couldn't even remember the login credentials. But I took the average Bitcoin price from August through December through those years of 2017 through 2020. And I think that that includes, you know, part of a bull, part of a bear, right? And I think league minimum before expenses, using 50% as uh, taxes, you know, being out in Cali, man, state tax will get you. <laughs> um, you know, I think it, it base, base salary in USD was like 950K over that time. And Bitcoin was... Over seven million after taxes, fifty percent, and that's not including what those dollars would buy you, right? So, like, and and there's definitely significant drawdowns during that time period, right? Probably during those t- periods, and that's what I know. It's going to happen too. People are going to be like, "Oh, you idiot, man! Look at it. It's oh, it's 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 done. It's going to zero, man. It ain't going to zero. It's too big now." <laughs> and I know what that does to the histogram, man. When you cut off the left tail. You know, of the probability of it going to zero, what that does to the mean, right? <laughs> like, it's, um, I don't know, for me, the narrative's just getting stronger. And I don't know, in your last podcast, like, will we have a typical, you know, correction? And, you know, what Dan Elder was saying, like, I don't, I don't know, who wouldn't buy the tip right now? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what would happen, right? But, like, it's different. So, do you want to ask our guest anything? Um, co-host, co-host man. Co-host no, Jack. this is your show. Co-host man. Jack. Co-host today. Co-host Jack. It's your show, man. I'm not sure. I have. I'll ask one because I'm put on the spot, yeah, but then I'll let you guys do your thing. Um, I'm curious, Sean. Uh, I think what you've done is bigger than football, and uh, I think you know that, and um. Yeah, like the initial interest will be about what it means for an NFL player following Russ. You graduated the stakes with the 100%, and that level of conviction is eye-popping, and it demands research. But I want to hear, if I were the audience, I think I know the answer, but more so of your thoughts outside of football. And like, you know, because I think the problem that you're trying to solve for has nothing to do with being in the NFL. Um, I think everyone that has income that is not working capital to sustain a lifestyle needs to save. And uh, I think you were very particular in your messaging, how you wanted this to be received, um, what success looked like for you in this. You didn't have to tell anyone, but you were very particular on what you wanted to say. And so I'd be curious to hear, you know, bigger than football, um, you know, like where you think humanity's trending and like how you were trying to be additive towards that narrative. I guess, if that makes yeah, any sense. Because yeah. that's what I appreciate about you most is you took a, a hard-earned platform through many injuries um, and you were very particular with me on what you wanted to accomplish here. Um, and so that's what I, I hope that the audience can, can get from you is you're much more than a football player to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, like you said, like this is beyond football. Football was a platform and it, it served this purpose. But yeah, I'm trying to inspire as many as people as possible, that it's all relative to one, your current financial situation, your risk parameters. But like, because people ask me, like, why don't you just buy Bitcoin? 
And obviously, my situation is extreme, being 100%. But I'm like, man, it's, it, I view it as a 401k. Like, take a certain allocation that you feel comfortable and don't need in the near term and deviate aside and wake up in 10, 15, 20 years and see the impact that'll have on your financial future. Like, for me, like, I think it's, I don't know. I, I mean, and this is something I'm starting to actually explore more. And I don't want to come across as like, man, this is, you know, I know everything and I'm completely back in this because I know what it would imply. And it's, but, you know, if, you know, from my understanding, like after Reagan, trickle down economics doesn't always make it to the hands of the individuals that it's intended for. And when I look at Bitcoin, I see an algorithm that doesn't discriminate. You can be your own bank. And you also don't know who's benefiting most, right? Like, it's like, is it someone in Miami or California or England or El Salvador? It's, it's open source. So anyone can open a node, a node and join the consensus platform. And I just think, I think it can be a solution for shrinking the wealth gap too. Like for marginalized communities, I think buying as many feasible sats as you can will go farther than buying fractional shares of stocks like Apple or Tesla or, or any growth stock at these valuations, right? And as I said before, like I say that with caution because I want to really research that before I really back that with high conviction because I know, you know, I don't want anyone listening to this to just be like, oh, all in on Bitcoin. But I really believe in that. Like I truly believe that it's going to go beyond athletes. It's going to be adopted by people. And I also have this theory that like with how social media is right now and podcasts, like I think people that have value added ideas will be heard regardless of the amount of power or money that they have. And the way I, I, ideas are disseminated to people, I think is different today. Before it was so centralized and through large corporations that own most of the TV stations, newspapers, uh, you know, what's seen on the internet, they controlled the narrative. And I think, you know, before if you had an idea and didn't have power or a platform, it was hard for anyone to hear you. And here we are talking right now and people are listening and people have access to it. Friction is low and they can decide for themselves. So I think with that, and Twitter, right? Like Twitter is huge and it's only growing. Like I think if you can, if you continue to produce valuable content, it will, it will spread to others. And I think that's going to be a huge catalyst and more people adopting Bitcoin. And you've already seen that last year with meme stocks, Reddit users, Wall Street bets. Like the retail investor is, is, is breaking the stereotype. We're not dumb, foolish people. Like we have ideas and often right. And Shoot, I think for the first time, you know, retail investors beat the institutions, you know, in finding Bitcoin right now. Um, I know I just kind of rambled and went on and answered more than what you just asked, Jack, but. Um, no, but it's good. Yeah. I just. Um, it feels like it. It's like it's like it's like the whole mid rabbit hole stuff. Like when you're flying down it and you're learning and you're picking more up, you're getting more conviction. It just sounds like you just. Put all you front loaded the conviction. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if I, for me, and I, I'm just hoping that others can just decide for themselves. But like for me, it was like if, if Bitcoin was the one, because like when I ask somebody, I'm like, man, if you had a million dollars, where would you put it right now? And, and you know, it depended on who you were talking to. But maybe an advisor would be like, well, it depends on you know their current situation. We'd like to say diversify. I'm like, okay, no, no, no. I'm saying, what asset class right now do you trust? <laughs> and if Bitcoin was the one asset that I was trying to accumulate the most of right now, and I believe that is also true for many other people, and every time I looked at my cash balance, I tried to divest. Like, why would I not get paid in the asset that is becoming increasingly more scarce while demand is also increasing? <laughs> and that's a, that's a huge component in the way I'm thinking and analyzing opportunities because right now I, I just think, you know, where where do we go from here? Like the boomers are the boomers are retiring and pension funds are reliant on stimulus injection and you can't let rates rise. 
the yield curve control is going to be in effect. They're going to continue to buy long, da- long dated uh, securities and bonds and just adding more fuel to the, the already issue, right? It's like, I don't know. I think we're just like caught up in this inflection point. And that's why I said earlier, I think we're in the beginning, like in the next decade, we're going to see rapid, rapid change. Whether that's just crypto, like Bitcoin, obviously I'm Bitcoin bull, but just the whole DeFi space, like there's a change happening right now. <laughs> and if you can't see it, like, man, you, I got to ask you why. And if you, if you said you haven't spent more than an hour researching, it means nothing to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I'm not in on the whole DeFi thing. I don't think Strike's launching a DeFi platform, but I'm with you on the whole Bitcoin thing. But it's just, it's impressive the conviction just to go like, I get it, now I'm going 100%. That leap is huge, man. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that like, that. yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I mean, I've saved you know, to at least buy me some time, my burn rate. You know, I see that picture and where I'm at with that model in the worst case scenario and I'm okay with volatility. I'm, I'm fine with that. If I have a big dip and the thesis remains the same, I'm fine. <laughs> and like, I'm, this is something that I don't have to necessarily do in the near term because I've saved, you know, at least like a little bit of time, but like why sell? Like why? Like you can you can leverage it. You can collateralize it. You can, you know, like the Michael Saylor strategy, right? I mean, it's it's. I think you're going to see more protocols develop, credit card systems where you can just remain that LTV ratio and let it ride, and know that the interest you're paying is being exceeded by Bitcoin, and basically live a tax free lifestyle. I mean, I haven't figured out the 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 ins and outs of that, but I know that I have one time through my own means to figure it out on my own, but also let it develop. And I think it's developing before our eyes. <laughs> and I have zero plans. That's why people are like, what's the end game? I'm like, the end game is giving my, giving my passphrase, to my, my, my code to my kids. And <laughs> being like, hey man, you are set. You are freaking set. And I was look at, look, look, look at me. This sounds conceited. I'm a very humble guy, but look me up and see what your father did. And I'm assuming there's going to be a time where people think I was crazy. The fine line of brilliance and crazy, right? You know? And mm-hmm. I'm cool with that, though. I've, I have an iron stomach, man, from football, man. Like, after games, the same people that are glorifying you after winning the game are crushing you after a missed block or drop ball. Like, I'm used to that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not impacted in any way. Well, dude, I love your conviction. I think it's badass. It's great to hear. I love the fact you're working with my boy Jack here. It's a nice little bonus for him to like dip his head in and say hello. Drop it in. Is that a cue for me? Yeah, no. Drop I it like it's hot. I'm proud of Sean and Strike's role in this. I really am. Um, I like. I'm going to war for Bitcoiners and for people like Sean. Uh, I got a heart of a lion and I built my career around being supportive of, of leaders like him. I really view Sean as a leader. He's taken on a lot of flack. Who knows how teams are going to look at him? You know, potential locker room risk. Guys look at him weird. Bitcoin's going to dip. He may lose friends. Um, he did this for the betterment of people that aren't himself. Those are qualities of a leader and of a great man and a man that pushes humanity forward. And I think he's trying to build a legacy and he's hinted how he views being a dad someday and uh, growing up with the father he had. So yeah, these are qualities in, in a human being that I appreciate. So um, fuck yeah, man. Seriously. Fuck yeah. Sean, I love it. I love your conviction. I think it's awesome. It's great to hear. Um, I will try and get out. Come watch you play. When I'm next in the US, maybe Jack will come with me. We'll go and see you play. Go, oh, man. go and try and understand the game a bit more. You know, we get we used to get six games in London a year that were pretty good. Yeah, I played actually in one. I played I played in the London game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've and been to a few. Man, I was disappointed. Wembley? Yeah, Wembley. Uh, I wanted to be there for so long. We we played in, uh, gosh, Cleveland. 
And then instead of flying to London and spending the week there, we stayed for five days in Cleveland and then flew to London. So we were there for a whole 48 hours. And we had one day I went out, you know, went to a pub. I made beer, fish and chips. And saw the like the London uh London Bridge and You need more than forty eight hours of that. Yeah, no man. I need so much more. So much more. I'm trying to think what else I did. It wasn't it wasn't much. It, uh yeah, that was it was quick. It was like a half day, half day. Came back, chilled, and then the day before the game I just chilled, like I typically do. Got a routine, gotta stick to it. Well listen, I love it. I love your conviction. I love what you're doing. I love the fact you're working with my boy Jack here. I think it's awesome. Um, and I appreciate you coming on my show to talk about it. Uh, it's, uh, you're a visionary, obviously, amongst uh, your peers. And I think you're going to be talking to them a lot about Bitcoin. Um, I'm interested to follow your Twitter, see if you go follow Kung on us, because it'd be interesting. Um, but look, dude, thanks for coming on my show and just keep doing your thing. And uh, if people want to follow you, tell them where on Twitter to find you. So Twitter, uh, Kalkin22. Kalkin22. Instagram, Kalk80. But, uh, right. I'm going to stick that shit in the show notes, man. But from El Salvador, brother. Peter, hey, appreciate the time, man. Thanks for having me. Jack, incredible uh, surprise, man. Good to see you, brother. Uh, you guys enjoy Good tonight. To don't uh, stay, you know, don't have too many, uh, White claws, bro. You know, you <laughs> four, right? I won't. I don't want any. We'll see what he's up to. But also to help you hopefully sleep better at night, the amount of DMs I'm getting from NFL players are out of this world. Let's and go. there's a correlation to your announcement. So let's go. Um, if that means anything to you, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm hyped. I, I love gonna, hearing I'm that. Go D- I got DMs of one NFL player, this guy here. It's my only one, man. I can. This kid. All right, Sean, love it, bro. Hopefully, we can hook up. We can have a whiskey at some point. We can That'd talk about some hardcore. Hang out, man. Uh, appreciate what you're doing. Appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, hey, thanks again, man. It's been a blast. And you, man. And I hope that's Bitcoin investment crushes it for you, dude. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be good, man. It's going to be good. I'm excited. So, appreciate the time again. Okay, so what did you make of that one? I love this one. I'd spoken to Jack a bit about Sean before the interview, and he was telling me how much Sean was into Bitcoin. So it's really great to talk to him and hear from him directly. Like, yeah, that's a bold move. That's a million dollars straight into Bitcoin. That's his whole salary. That's a bold move. So it was great to hear from Sean why he's doing this. And I think we're going to see a lot more of this. I know Russell led the way. Big up to you, Akang. We've seen a lot of sports people. There was a baseball player reaching out to Jack Mallers today, and I think I might have convinced a Premier League footballer to do it as well, which is pretty cool. All right, big thanks also to Jack for crushing the show and weighing in. It's actually a pretty crazy impact that Strike is having around the world. Jack is crushing it. Love that dude. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this one. If you want to reach out to me, you can jump into my Telegram group or you can hit me up on hello at whatbitcoindid.com. I reply to everyone. Just don't send me any weird shit. Actually, send me some weird shit this week. Send me the weirdest fucking email you can. And uh, I'll still reply to you. I might even share the weirdest one on Twitter. Anyway, if you also love the show, if you listen regularly and you haven't left me a review, well, you're a bit of a dick. So you need to get on Apple Podcasts now. Go out there, leave me a review. You know I deserve five stars. I've worked hard for this. You know I do. Go and do that for me. I'm obviously ranting absolute nonsense now, so I'm going to go. But I hope you enjoyed the show. Love you all. Speak to you all soon. Hopefully I'll remember saying this. But anyway, I'll see you all later in the week. Love you all. Bye.